What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 49th episode of the Promenade Merchants Podcast. We are an independent, scrappy, underdog Star Trek podcast, talking all things Star Trek past, present, and future. I'm David Majors, and I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Miss Heather Kirby. Heather, it's been it's been a little bit since we last talked and since we last saw each other. How's it going? Since we finally saw each other. Uh yeah, it it it's been going. You know, this past month has been just kind of bonkers, but it's nice to get back to just talking Star Trek with you, David. It's been a good bonkers for sure. There's been some good bonkers in there. And uh, I think that a lot of you out there listening probably know what we're talking about. So let's just jump into it. I've done this on podcasts many, many times before where it's kind of the convention debrief. So, of course, we're going to start by talking off with Star Trek Mission Chicago. Trekkies from all over came to the McCormick Place Convention Center in downtown Chicago and spent a weekend celebrating and sharing our love in all things Star Trek. Heather and I met for the first time in the IRL. All A bunch of our friends from Trek Twitter were there. I got some pictures taken in cosplay, which never happens. And... It, it was a great time, wasn't it? it? It was. It was a pretty good time. You know, it 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 really was. I mean, for this was probably my first con- convention in almost almost five years, uh, and I realized how much I missed it. It was just such a wonderful time getting to meet people that I've gotten to know over the years and. I've never had the opportunity to meet in person and, you know, just spending time with friends. I I think that's the most important part and the most important takeaway of it was the friendships. It really was just so fulfilling and so rewarding. Um, Just the times that I spent with our mutual friends, making some new friends just walking around the convention center and I talked about this personally with my sister and some, and some others. I've gone to a lot of conventions in my life and I've done a lot of anime things and other fandom things that I'm really into. But with Mission Chicago, this was the first time in a really long time that I really felt like I was welcomed and I really felt like I was part of the gang and I was part of the team and they lifted me up when I needed it. And that was really, 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 really special. And I'm not used to that. I'm not used to having that much friendship and welcoming and acceptance. I'm not used to that. It's very, very uncommon. It's very unusual, but it was, it was, Really, really special. And Michelle heard during the Star Trek (laughs) panel, during the Star Trek Picard panel on Saturday, she really put it the best way possible in that it was overwhelming in the best way possible. Um, My cup was so far over 
I, I had like four or five cups more to fill. And Heather, I, I'm going to let you go first before I continue on with my spiel. Just tell me about your whole convention experience. Like we were bouncing back and forth with one another here and there. Uh, I want to know your convention experience and, and how things were for you. Uh, well, you know, I think one of the most important things uh, from the convention was getting to meet like my fellow Star Trek podcasters uh, because I never like I'm going to be very honest right now. I never in a million years thought I would be podcasting on a regular basis. Like I am not an extrovert at all. And so I really sort of fell into this and it, it has a lot to do with some of the things that you were saying. The Star Trek fandom and family is so opening and so welcoming and like when i first started guesting on star trek podcasts like the people who invited me on uh were were so understanding and so kind to me and i would have never kept going with it if i hadn't had that experience so i mean the fact that i got to meet finally got to meet some of those people in person um, and they were just as kind and welcoming and friendly and like very much my friends in person than they are online and in the podcasting realm was just so wonderful. Um, I'm not <laughs> like I'm not a big social person like i i very much i i'm very shy and I, there were plenty of people that i could have had the opportunity to meet while i was at the convention and i didn't because i was just too shy to walk up to them and start a conversation but i'm okay with that like i got to meet the people who i really wanted to meet and who are very special to me and um it it was an awesome experience. It, it was very overwhelming in ways, but it, it like it definitely made me want to go back. So it could it, it could have completely overwhelmed me to the point that I wasn't sure I would want to go back, but it definitely made me want to go back. It was really just so fulfilling. That's the word I keep going back to. It was fulfilling. In spaces like these, in these fandom spaces, in these nerd spaces, I feel like I can fully be myself. And I said when I got there, uh, um, Heather, I think I said this to you, in these spaces at conventions around these people who know David, I can be my fully extroverted goofball self, uh, the the goofy weirdo that you see on Twitter that is very much me in a lot of ways. I can be that person around others. And it was very liberating and very freeing. I was allowed to be as extroverted as I want to be. And I'm not usually allowed to do that. And I got a lot of great positive feedback. People invited me out to things. I got invited to dinner when I really didn't even expect it. I got pictures taken 
in my cosplay with friends and other podcasters. I really didn't expect that. We kind of barged in on Strange New Pod uh, Thursday evening when we got there, and <laughs> Julian and Giraffe, they just... They just welcomed us on out of nowhere. And, and handed and, us the microphone. And I mean, like, I, I, do you really expect to do that when you show up at a podcast recording and be like, hey, there are friends here. Come say hello on our live recording. Like, no, you don't. Uh, the, the, that's the kind of people Star Trek fans are. And not only that, meeting not just fans, but other content creators. Like, getting to tell jesse gender the youtuber that i love her work and i'm such a big fan of hers and getting a picture with her that was just so rewarding and so fulfilling because i just think she's such an outstanding creator and all that aside we haven't even actually talked about real star trek yet Heather. <laughs> there was there was a lot of real star trek that happened at mission chicago too yeah, yeah, uh, there, there definitely was. I, I mean, there was a lot of um, extra convention exclusive Star Trek stuff that happened, and I, I think we're going to talk about some of that in upcoming business, right? So, we are, we are. Okay. We'll definitely talk about some of it in upcoming business. Uh, I will say that getting to have a, just a regular five-minute chit-chat with David Ajala was so rewarding. He was a very cool dude. Uh, getting a selfie with uh, Annie Wershing, who plays the Borg Queen on Star Trek Picard, as well as uh, from 24, that was very rewarding, uh, very exciting. And I, I got to have these fandom moments that I, I don't get very often. And this is the first convention of size that I've been to in like three years. And it reminded me why I go to these things. It's meeting these people that create this art that I love. It's making these friends that, that I care about so much. It's interacting with people that I've created podcasts with in real life. That is the most rewarding feeling in the world for me, where I, I got to see you, Heather, and, and Susie, and, and Heather Ray, and, and others, just being in the same space with them, because creating this stuff on the internet is so cool, and you build this connection, and then it culminates in these places. And we're all celebrating and sitting in this room watching the actors of the stuff that we love celebrate what they're creating and it's all just so so cool it's just so cool and we're gonna talk all about it but do you want to jump into new business do you want to jump in yeah it, I, i'm ready Let's go. All right. Let, let's jump into new business. Star Trek Picard is still rolling on. Uh, we've reached a point in season two where it looks like the action is going to start picking up. I said, in the words of Jim Ross, business is about to pick up. But we're at episode six right now. Uh, two of one. 
where the crew of La Sirena make their way to the Europa Gala, celebrating the space mission. Jean-Luc Picard is caught by Dr. Sung, who eventually hits him with a car. Q, uh, posing as Rene Picard's therapist, has been manipulating her all along to convince her to back out of the Europa mission to the point where she runs and leaves the party. Jean-Luc stops her and gives one of those great Jean-Luc Picard speeches that we all know and love. And Rene has a change of heart until Dr. Sung uh, tries to run her down with his car and Jean-Luc Picard pushes his ancestor out of the way and boom. And now we're, we're at a point where Jean-Luc's life is in danger. Uh, also, Corey, uh, Dr. Sung's quote-unquote daughter, uh, starts to learn the truth about her origin. Now, Heather, I know we talked about this in Chicago. I know this was an episode where I know it didn't get a lot of positive feedback. I know the the time skipping, I believe this was the episode, mm-hmm. uh, the time skipping, 10 minutes earlier, all of that stuff. Uh, people didn't respond to that one too positively, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think it was about 50-50. Uh, the, the whole time skipping thing can get to be kind of tedious, especially when you do it more than once in an episode. Uh, which they did in this one. Uh, and and I, I'm going to be honest, and I say this, like, because uh, we still have, we have a total of three episodes of Picard to talk about, but I'm, I'm going to say this now. Uh, looking back at this episode, because um, I remember in our last podcast that we recorded where I talked about them kind of not taking the character of Renee Picard very seriously. Um, so Jean-Luc saves her life in this episode, and then we don't see her again for the next two. So once again, it's like she's someone who's supposedly playing a huge part in this season, but isn't really because like her character has fallen to the wayside and it's not given the, it's not really given the attention and detail that I think she should deserve. So it, yeah, I, 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 I'm not quite sure where I'm going with that thought, but it's really, it, it, it's my main it's, qualm. It seems like <laughs> with, it, it seems with like this story. Okay. What I'm gathering is that Renee to you is more of a plot device to advance the Picard, Q, Borg, Sung storyline along, rather than being her own character and her own person. Is is that what I'm getting? Yeah, she's very much a plot device. She's not an actual character that's given time attention and detail and i i think if they wanted to introduce a character like her they should have given her more time attention and detail and not just use her as a plot device all right i would really like your opinion on something then so far in this season how do you feel about dr teresa 
Um, <laughs> what, do we really going to go there now? <laughs> I, I would love to hear it. Honestly, I would love to hear it. Uh, I, I like Dr. Teresa, but here's the thing, and this is the part you're not going to like. Um, I think Rios is staying in the past to stay with her. I think there's a good chance of that happening. Yeah. I do. I do. I, I I would not rule that out. I would also not rule out the possibility of Dr. Teresa and her son maybe going to the future. I know that she has the clinic and she has the hospital and she has people to take care of. I totally get that. I'm just saying there's a chance. There's a sliver of a chance. And I, I think there's a higher chance that Rios is going to stay in the past. I mean, because they've made a I point agree. of showing that Rios really enjoys a lot of aspects of living in the past. And, uh, you know, has like enjoys the, the real food, the real liquor, the real cigars, you know, and I think I mean, same. I think he could fit in better than taking two people from the past to the future with them. So I, I think the higher probability is that Rios is staying in the past. I do agree with that. I, I certainly do. I, I definitely think that's possible. Um, admittedly, the thought of seeing the USS Stargazer kind of go by the wayside is a tiny bit disappointing, but I definitely agree that there's a real possibility that Rios might decide that he likes living in 2024, kind of like Seven of Nine seems to like being in 2024 to a certain degree, but I don't think she's staying. Uh, we learn about Corey's origin, where we find out that she is one of many artificial synthetic life forms created by dr sung wait 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 she's not she's a clone she's not synthetic she's a clone sorry yeah, yeah. the sungs uh so we learn she's a clone and we see once again that another sung is completely without ethics and morals in the guise of human life and science and I just want to say that throughout all three of these episodes, Issa Briones puts on a really great performance as Corey when she finds these things out and she has to deal with the truth and she lashes out at Dr. Sung. It's, it's a really good performance on her part. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, she she does a wonderful job with uh really discovering her character and finding her own agency um to 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 stand up to her father you can't see my quotation marks there. in quotes father in quotes. <laughs> uh but yeah and and i just want to say if anyone is surprised by now that the soons have zero moral character like i don't know what universe you've been watching but they all, even Data's creator, they all have zero moral character, okay? <laughs> There's not a whole lot of moral character to go around in the soon genetic makeup. 
So it happened in TNG. It happened in Enterprise. It happened in Picard season one. Yeah, I. And, and I now it's happening again. I mean, very honestly, like the I forget what exactly his name was in in Enterprise, but the 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 soon character that Brent played in Enterprise has to be only a couple generations removed from uh, this Dr. Soon and Picard. So, yeah. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of time there between the two of them. Uh, no, the, no. The, he definitely didn't learn anything from this. Sure didn't. Yeah. Sure didn't. Episode 7, Monsters. We take a journey into Jean-Luc Picard's mind and we see memories from his childhood, including his tyrant father, Maurice, and mother, Yvette. But things are not quite as he remembers. We find out the truth about Talon. Rios brings Teresa and her son, Ricardo, to La Serena. Rafi and Seven continue to hunt down Agnes, who is slowly being taken over by the Borg Queen. Heather, I know that this was a big one for you because we saw James Callis playing Maurice Picard, Jean-Luc's father. Uh, what do you think about this episode? Monsters. Um, okay, so I, I did appreciate the scenes between Patrick Stewart and James Callis um, because they're both very incredible actors and they did a wonderful job. However... The story, um, it, it it just, there's a lot of ethical issues with the way they frame this story. Um, I don't know who wrote this episode. I didn't look that closely at it. I probably should have looked that up before we recorded this. But to me, it comes off like it was written by a man. Mm. Uh, because the way... They really took, um, like, Jean-Luc's view of what happened in that situation and wanting to protect and defend his mother and really turned it into his mother was ill, mentally ill, um, and his father was not as bad of a guy as as he imagined um it 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 came off very much as um excusing uh a a strong tough masculine character for whatever flaws he might have uh because the woman has mental illness and it, it it just there there's a lot of reasons why that comes off in a very bad way you know um it 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 basically implies that you know domestic situations you know any actions that a man might take towards a woman could be excused if the woman was mentally ill and like mm. yes there, there there's two sides to every story but to have a, a major story framed like that um when the earlier implication was that 
you know, it, it, it was a domestic violence situation. Just, I, I don't know. It, the, there's a lot of issues with that. And I, I'm not a huge fan of how that story played out ultimately. Well, okay. The thing about this episode for me was it hit strikingly close to home. Uh, similarly in the way in season one where Rafi's fractured relationship with her son really hit close to home for me. Uh, this episode really, really hit close to home. It was almost uncannily similar to my own childhood. Um, my father, um, who I grew up having a pretty complicated relationship with and we we managed to reconcile before his passing um his relationship with my mother was centered around her mental illness and the traumas that she dealt with and the things she struggled with so when i saw that it was it, it was very you say that it, you feel like it was written by a man and I'm going to tell you, Heather. Yeah, it probably was. It probably was because fathers and sons always have very complex relationships. And sometimes when you're a son and you have a father that is a bit harder on you than you might like, you might not completely understand the story. You might not completely understand why. And there were times where other members of my family felt like I might have been in danger because of my mother and certain things. And there, there was a very, there was a very strong sense of reality with with all of that it it was very true to life um I, i'm not excusing anything that happened with picard's father and i'm not dismissing anything you said but i can tell you that it almost certainly came from a very very real place um i don't know if it was the writers I don't know if it was Patrick Stewart himself, but there is something to be said about that, that a son may not always understand why a father does the things that he does, and it can grow to a level of resentment that you might not be completely clear on. Uh, you just know that the relationship is strained until sometimes you find out when you're an adult sometimes you find out much 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 later in life after your father is gone and after your mother is gone you don't find out until much much later in life and you get a better understanding of things uh not excusing any of it but it was something that felt very real and I tweeted out 
uh, when I was watching this episode, I said, oh, no, this is this is literally my childhood right in front of me. And this is the second time that's happened with Picard. And I, I find that to be rather, rather strange. And, and th- there's some strange coincidences going on with Picard where I've had that in, in both seasons so far. And I want to say that I have a sense of sympathy for both Jean-Luc and Maurice uh, and Yvette as well uh, in the same way that I feel uh, a certain level of sympathy for my mother. Um, but it, it's it's a very hard thing to really convey, even though I've I've lived something very close to this. It's it's a tough thing to explain because when you're young, you see something like this happening with your mom and your dad, and you don't completely understand why. And because you're a kid, nobody really explains it to you. And you have to form these things in your own mind. And I think this is how Jean-Luc created this image of his father in his mind and the monsters and the nightmares and why it made him so guarded as an adult. And I know personally, I understand Jean-Luc Picard in a way that I never really expected. And it felt very real and by the end of the episode, it was very cathartic, kind of in the same way that once I started figuring things out about my mother and reconciling my relationship with my father, it, it felt cathartic in the same way to see Jean-Luc kind of reconcile his relationship with his father. His feelings about his mother will not change. That I can assure you. There's going to be sympathy, but the love will still be there. He knows that she is a complete person, and that will not change. It just changes the perspective of mom and dad in a lot of ways. And I appreciated, I appreciated how they did it. I really did. I, I I I mean, I respect that. Like I said, I don't have an issue with how the story played out. I have an issue with how they framed it initially and then played it out. So, like, I I I just wish it hadn't quite been done that way. Because, like I said, it it helps perpetuate the the myth that you know domestic violence isn't doesn't actually happen and that there's usually some sort of disease behind it 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 it, it, the way they framed it helped perpetuate that so i i I mean i feel like that's an issue that should be brought up but, but i respect that it has a great meaning to you and uh that ultimately the way it played out was really important to the character and to to others who could relate to that 
it really did strike a chord and and i totally understand where you're coming from on it too i i absolutely understand um this is a really complicated point of this episode um so let's just jump to rios bringing teresa and ricardo to la serena um he's from chile he just lived he just works in outer space uh i think that if you're a kid and you see this really cool dude that's getting along with your mom and then suddenly you find out he's the captain of a starship from the future you're going to want to see just what the future has that's just the the little boy in me talking honestly and i absolutely loved ricardo in this episode yeah no i i really i love teresa i love ricardo uh i think she works really well with rios and and like i said that's why i i i honestly do think they're leading up to rios ultimately staying in the past with the two of them um teresa's not gonna go to the future with him uh that that's my woman's intuition i'm saying it right now she's not gonna go to the future with him she's the type of fierce fighter woman that the current present of that century needs uh to help keep moving forward in the right direction and so she's not gonna leave that behind and uh rios is is gonna want to help her do that because because he's cool like that rios is cool like that agnes and the borg queen Heather, I've said a few times on the podcast that I've had just about enough of Agnes Girati. But this is not what I had in mind. I did not want her to be taken over by the Bora Queen. Even though we all kind of saw this coming at the beginning of this season when there was a Borg Queen on the Stargazer putting the pieces together. Now it all makes sense. Um, what do you think the future holds for Agnes? Uh, <laughs> we're running with the shadows of the night. <laughs> so baby, take my hand. We'll be all right. Surrender all your dreams to me tonight. They'll come true in the end. Uh, I uh, okay. So I ultimately think that um, Agnes is still in there, and I agree with that. He, here's why. And and I, I know we're still on episode seven, but we might be moving on to episode eight right now. Um, when seven and rafi confront her she could have killed both of them and she didn't and that's why episode eight is called mercy because as seven points out to rafi um the boy queen doesn't have mercy that mercy is coming from agnes and so ultimately like i i i think ultimately agnes is going to be able to assert herself enough 
Is she ultimately gonna? Is she totally gonna eliminate the Borg Queen? No, she's not. But she's going to be able to assert herself enough to control it and help them get back home because the Borg Queen is their one ticket as to how they get back to the future. There's really no other option as to how they're going to do this. It has to be through our Agnes Borg Queen. Okay. So ultimately she's not, she's not completely taken over and she's going to find the strength to assert herself at some point. What that breaking point is, I don't know quite yet. And and that's okay, because I don't want it to be entirely predictable. But she's going to find the strength to assert herself eventually. Whatever happened to that folder? Shit, Remember I stole that folder? from the board queen. Yeah, whatever <laughs> happened there? You think that's going to come back sometime? No. The, the, that was just a fun one-liner. I don't think that's going to come back sometime. Okay. All right. I When I was watching this episode of Mercy, that, that was the thing that popped into my head when the, the thought of, okay, she's got these drones now of these squad of mercenaries. I just kept thinking to myself, how is Agnes going to get out of this? How is Agnes going to save them? She still had that folder of shit she stole from the Borg Queen. She probably hid it, even though they're like in the same mind or, or whatever. So I, I feel like, yes, I agree. Agnes is definitely still in there. And I agree that she will assert herself eventually and something will come of it. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm feeling like we might see that folder again. I don't know why. Just, just a thought, just a feeling. I want to talk about Agent Wells. He was a fascinating character. Here we have uh, a man, uh, an FBI agent, who arrested Picard and Guinan and was interrogating them because he had a very particular interest in extraterrestrial life. I found this to be really interesting. Because he wasn't your typical, stereotypical federal agent. Uh, he, he wasn't an ICE guy like Rios had to deal with. He was there with his entirely own agenda. And it went back to something that happened to him when he was a kid. And he saw Vulcans. And... This was such a cool little wrinkle, I think, that I didn't see coming, but I really liked it. Uh, yeah, so Agent Wells is basically uh, just Agent Fox Mulder of the Star Trek universe. I, 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 was it, but wasn't Mulder right? Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying Mulder was... A, yeah, but... He is, because everything you described of that is Fox Mulder, okay? So he is basically just Fox Mulder. 
<laughs> uh, he he should have been played by David Duchovny, and you could have just made him Fox Mulder at this point because that's basically who Agent Wells is is Fox Mulder. Um, I, I I mean I I enjoyed the scenes with them, uh, especially the. I, I, I like the conversation that Guinan and Q had uh, in particular. Um, Wells, I could kind of take him or leave him. Uh, like I said, being a huge X-Files fan, he was basically just Fox Mulder. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the conversation he had with Picard. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I mean, I... I glad that he ultimately let the two of them go and uh he, he lost his job because of it but you know he'll, he'll he'll find it he'll land back on his feet it's okay that's what fox molders do <laughs> so I'll probably welcome him back once yeah. they find out he was right uh no nah, it's the government they don't ever admit people are right come on now um this is true I work for him. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, I, I guess I kind of, part of me expected a little bit more from Agent Wells. I feel like that they're ultimately like discovering that he had an experience with Vulcans as a kid was cool, but I felt like. Once again, like here's another character that is just kind of used as a plot device <laughs> uh, to help advance things along in the the Q storyline, and not one that had a whole lot of depth to it because they basically just took the character depth of a character from another TV show and plunked it onto him. Okay. Um, I, I I swear I'm enjoying season two of Picard, and I know it sounds like I'm not because I've been really negative <laughs> through some of these comments. I really am enjoying the season overall, but it, it it's just I I love characters. I love the 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 deep connection with characters and these smaller characters that they've introduced and really not use. Like there's there's so many other characters in the story already it, it doesn't feel like they're they're needed to me um so i yeah i, I like I characters too to i also like characters but i love story and plot and i love seeing things unfold in advance and little things like this uh, I am not one of those people that got upset about Vulcans appearing on Earth because, oh, my God, how are Vulcans already on Earth before first contact? Oh, my God. Yeah, Guys, I, I don't care about that. Have we seen TNG? First contact has happened dozens of times, and, and we always saw how they were observing these races and species before officially making first contact. Calm down. Watch some Star Trek. Pay, pay better attention. It, this is nothing new. Yeah. And I guess I was just cool with how it unfolded. And it was 
really sort of an eye-opening experience for Agent Wells. The idea that we're not alone in the universe and he wanted to search for that. He was he was searching for the truth, Heather. <laughs> the truth is out there. And he wanted oh. to believe. That's right. See? See? I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, okay. So Corey confronts Dr. Sung. This was a really good scene between Brent Spiner and Issa Briones. Uh, I think these two throughout this whole season had some really good chemistry just throughout the entire season. And it really culminated here with her walking out on him. And I I absolutely loved how all of this put together with Corey finding out the truth. And then uh, Dr. Sung starting to unravel a little bit in front of his quote daughter, unquote, where you see the real Sung and not the guy that pretends he loves and cares about his father and and he really doesn't. I thought this was really well done and really well played out. Yeah, I I think the scenes between uh, Soon and Corey in this episode were were part of my favorites. Um, they, They just... And, you know, I honestly, I never expected him to have such a a, a major part in this season. But I I think he's definitely, he's the the tipping point and the ultimate showdown of the season. Like we know at the end of the episode, it's happening uh, at Dr. Soon's place. And due to his help, uh, you know, so like he, he's really the, the tipping point to bring this showdown together. And I did not expect that going in, but um, I really enjoy and appreciate that part. So uh, I'm wondering, as, as much as we saw Corey walk out here, um, I'm wondering if she'll be back in the next two episodes. I think she will. Um, and I, I think she still has a part to play in this story. Uh, did you see the teaser from the ready room of episode nine? No, I don't watch the ready room. Sorry, Will okay. Wheaton. <laughs> There's too many spoilers on the ready room. I just, I, 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 I don't, fair, I don't watch fair, yeah. fair, hundred yeah. percent fair. Um, yeah, with the most recent episode, they did show a little teaser of season nine. Um, I will say the action is ramping up. That's all I'm saying. Um, is it just me, or has there really not been a lot of Guinan in the last few episodes? I mean, she's been there, but it just feels like she's not doing a lot. Well, okay, so Guinan... <laughs> And and like I said, I know I came down very hard on on other smaller characters, but Guinan is just a force, and I think um, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name because I know I'll butcher it. But the young woman that plays Guinan in this century is done a fantastic job, uh, in my opinion, and so she's really very much the 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 fierce character 
that she's always been when she was played by Whoopi. And and like I said, one of my other favorite parts of that episode was the the scene between her and Q. Um, because I think it really it did kind of dive into and explore the complexities of their relationship as Elorians and, and Q's together. And I and I really like that in uh the previous episode too, when she does the ritual to summon the Q. Um, I think that's really cool and very alien and a way of showing that these characters who are still very much human are also very alien as well. Um, that was really one of the first times we saw Guinan do something that was very uniquely alien. I feel like. Yeah, and I'm okay with that because she is an alien. She's not from Earth. She's from a different planet. And, you know, you deserve to see that side of her. And so that that's why, like, as much as, like, she hasn't been in a lot of scenes, I think the scenes that she has have, have been very impactful. And, and sh- they show the force of the character that she is, even though there's not a lot of them there. I hope that maybe even in season three, which we'll talk about later, uh, we see the younger Guinan. And I like to think that she'll have a a part of the very strong conclusion. It's looking like this season of Picard is going to have a very strong conclusion. There's there's a lot building. Uh, We're seeing uh, the Borg Queen now assimilating... Uh, we've got La Serena, uh, and they're all kind of gathering in the same place. Uh, Q is still out there. Uh, the Europa mission is inching ever closer. And I feel like we are going to have a pretty big time epic conclusion. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what we're looking forward to with Star Trek Picard a little bit later in upcoming business. But a few notes from Mission Chicago I felt like we should bring up. Uh, Heather, we were both at the Star Trek Prodigy panel where the showrunners, uh, Kevin Hageman and Ben Hibbon, without one Hageman brother, uh, confirmed that they have at that point written... 40 episodes of Star Trek Prodigy. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, uh, we do. It it, it was already confirmed for a season two. And uh, we knew that uh, the first season is going to be 20 something episodes. So, um, yeah, I I, I mean, they're they're hard at work at, at the second season now so uh that's good to know and and there's i i i really wish the best for that show there's a there's a lot there's a lot of good it can do and i i'm really interesting interested to see in where it's going uh in the second half of the first season because i from the start i never expected to see them actually introduce Admiral Janeway. You know, I thought Janeway was just going to be the holographic character. So um, it'll 
be interesting to see what kind of impact she plays in the show. I can say that with where it looks like it's going with the rest of this season, it is definitely reminiscent of the Lego series and the Ninjago series from what I've seen. It has some good kind of multi-layered storytelling. Uh, A lot of these shows have larger casts. Uh, It definitely looks a lot like the Hagman brothers' previous work so far. Just they're doing it within the Star Trek universe. Uh, We're seeing Admiral Janeway. We're seeing Captain Chakotay. We're going to see Janeway go after the Protostar. And she might be something of an antagonist for the crew of the Protostar. And I think that's interesting. Uh, What we kind of got from the panel was that it looks like Admiral Janeway is going to be kind of an antagonist. At least that's what I got from it. I I mean, she is kind of. We eliminated the diviner at the the, the first half of uh, season one, so they do need some sort of antagonist, and uh, she's stepping into that role. And like I said, it, it it's an interesting dynamic. Um, so I, I'm. Very interested to see where it goes from here. Are you okay with Janeway being an antagonist, Heather? I don't have any problem. I, I don't have any problem with that. I, I think it will be a very, uh, it will be interesting because they still have holographic Janeway, and holographic Janeway knows that the crew is not Starfleet, um, and is still willing to work with them and, and, and follow their wishes. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic between the two. Um, They also kind of implied in that panel that you're going to see more than just the two Janeways. So a show with multiple different types of Janeway, I'm always all for it. So we'll see what happens. I got the impression that we might see some other members of the cast of Voyager. That's kind of the impression I got from it. Uh, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, you, we know Chakotay is involved and he hasn't been that much involved so far, except for a couple clips. So I, I'm, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I'm going to plead the fifth and just wait and see what happens. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Now, after Mission Chicago, we got a teaser. And oh boy, this teaser. I was going to say, that was it actually was before. before Mission Chicago. Oh, was it before? Uh-huh. Was it before? That was on First Contact that, Day. That, that was a, this is, this is a blur. Sorry. This teaser of the third and final season of Star Trek Picard, we got to hear the voices of LeVar Burton, Brent Spiner, Michael Dorn, Gates McFadden, and Marina Sirtis. No Will Wheaton or Diana Moldwar so far. And the teaser said that the members of Star Trek The Next Generation will be joining the cast 
of season three. Suffice to say, this blew up. Yeah. I am hoping that this does not mean the end of the crew of La Serena. I've really grown to appreciate them, and I'm happy they're there, and I'm happy they're around, even Agnes. Uh, And I'm just hoping that they're not pushing the rest of them aside. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't think they're going to do that. Um, I, well, I, I, I mean, I know because they, they've already filmed season three and I know at least Michelle and, and Jerry both posted stuff about finishing filming on season three. So uh, seven and Rafi are both going to be in season three. Um, Nothing from Santiago Cabrera. Uh, well, he doesn't, he doesn't post a lot on social media. No, he doesn't. Um, but if he ends up staying in the past, that might make sense <laughs> that he's not in it. Um, so I, I, I think without a doubt that uh, Seven and Rafi will still play a huge part in season three. Um, I think uh, Issa Briones, depending on whatever character she wants to play at this point... <laughs> Will play a part in season three. Um, I, so at, at least a good a good half of them will. Um, I don't. I, I I don't know. It doesn't bother me a whole lot because I think I don't. I don't think it's going to push characters aside. I think they're they have naturally evolved that some of the characters won't play as big of a role uh, in season three. And I'm okay with that. I I don't think it's pushing them aside. I think the show is called ultimately called Star Trek Picard. And we know this is going to be their final season. And everyone has been clamoring since the very start to just basically have a TNG reunion. So, that's what they gave us. Um, I I think they wouldn't have done it unless I, I I really do think they wouldn't have done it unless the story made sense. And considering the story that uh, Terry Metzulis and the rest of the crew have crafted in season two, um, I think whatever they have crafted for season three will very much be a love letter to. Picard and the friendships and family that he's built along the way which obviously includes the TNG cast but it also includes the characters and the cast of the first two seasons of Picard as well so I don't think they're going to get pushed aside I know how you felt about Strange New Worlds in the beginning and I understood it I definitely did uh, because there was so much fan uproar from Discovery for a show with that cast and crew. And I empathized with that. And I really empathize with it now with the current cast and crew of Picard. And I hope you're right. 
I do hope you're right. I'm excited to see what the cast of The Next Generation is going to do in Season 3. And I hope you are right that the current cast of Picard is not kind of swept under the rug. That's what I'm hoping. And all the same, I'm still excited. I'm still excited. Star Trek Strange New Worlds will wrap up. It inches ever closer. And right on time for our 50th episode, which we're going to talk about at the end, uh, it will be right on time. And now the cast is officially doing interviews and talking about the show. Uh, They've been NDA'd, and, and you could tell at Mission Chicago that Every cast member there and and the producers that were there were trying to say as little as possible, even with the the few teasers and trailers that we got. Um, Heather, now that we are very close to Strange New Worlds, I'm really interested in how you're feeling about the show now. Um, you know, I I am I am looking forward to it. Um not for any of the reasons that anyone else is. <laughs> we'll just put that out there. Um, <laughs> um, because uh, I, I, I'm very excited about uh, Hemmer, the Anon character. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him, and I think he's going to be a wonderful and, and one of my top favorite characters in star trek um i'm really looking forward to seeing uh rebecca remain and jess bush play uh majel's two amazing characters and bring them both to life on screen together those are reasons i'm excited uh so and and to dive more into their characters because they released like synopsis of the first five episodes and one of them does actually feature uh number one and goes into detail about Illyria and where she's from and her background so uh uh, very excited for that um I am very excited to see uh Christina Chong's character uh because I do as much as I (laughs) I kind of trash the Noonien Singh name. Um, I'm really excited to learn more about La'an and her background. And uh, I, I, I get the sense from the teasers they've given of her character that she might be at least part augment, um, which I think is going to be something really awesome to explore. And I've wanted Star Trek to explore that avenue for a while. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely have a couple things that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, yeah, Pike and Spock are in it too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That, uh, I could care less about those two. <laughs> um, I, I'm looking, um, looking forward to all the other things I mentioned. So yeah, there, there's a lot to look forward uh, to for Strange New Worlds. It's just not what anyone else would think of and that's okay because there's something well, I, in it for i don't everyone. agree with that at all i i think that specifically rebecca romaine is number one and and the the actress playing nurse chapel those are absolutely reasons to to be excited 
I think your excitement over the Anar character is completely justified. I love Melissa Navia as Lieutenant Ortegas already. I already love her because she's the the cocky helmsman pilot and those characters are always fun. Yes, everybody, I'm a big Tom Paris guy. Um, so I, I enjoy characters like that. Um, specifically, and this might be controversial, I've said before that I've always been kind of eh on the character of Spock, the 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 core of Star Trek, the heart and soul of Star Trek. There is something about Ethan Peck's performance as Spock so far that has just really resonated with me. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him in that role and really making it his own because I think he's a really good actor and I think that's really going to be something that he'll he'll really be able to take on uh, not necessarily the characters but the actors Ethan Peck and Anson Mount uh, I, I'm very interested in how they take these characters on uh, I've been reading some interviews with both of them and they have a much different perspective and viewpoint on Star Trek and these characters than a lot of people may assume. Uh, I think that Anson Mount is really going to surprise some people with how he plays Christopher Pike. He's not going to be the starship captain you think. And I think Ethan Peck is going to play young Lieutenant Spock the way I expected younger Spock to be played. Uh, it, you remember in the pilot where Spock played by Nero Nimoy, he did show a little bit more emotion oh, yeah. because he was younger. Mm-hmm. And I think Ethan Peck is really going to run with that. He, he's going to show the, the Vulcan logic, but also show that Vulcans have very strong, very intense emotions. And I'm looking forward to how he portrays that character because so far his portrayal of Spock has really resonated with me more than anybody else. So all of the reasons you mentioned, Heather, yes, 100%. But like you said, everyone has their own. And I have mine, you have yours, everybody else has theirs out there. And I've said a few times already, I feel like Strange New Worlds is going to be the Star Trek show that a lot of people are really going to latch onto. Uh, I'm not going to go that far, but okay. <laughs> well, okay, we'll see. We'll find out. Uh, we will find out May 5th. It's, it's just right around the corner. Uh, and we will talk about it on our next episode. Or, or, or is it 51? Will it be 50 or 51? Because Picard will be done for episode 50. And, and Strange New Worlds episode 1 should be out by then, right? Uh, yeah, Picard's season finale and Strange New Worlds premiere airs on the same day. So we will have two episodes ah, of Star Trek on the same day. That. That's why I'm getting mixed up because they are premiering on the same day. Paramount Plus is just 
keeping us fed with Star Trek just for the foreseeable future. And we will be talking about it here on the Promenade Merchants podcast. Now, regular listeners of the show know that uh, every five episodes, we like to have a guest. And Heather is doing her due diligence on getting a guest. Uh, Heather, uh, I will let you cover that ground. Uh, it's We have a guest in mind. We're going to try our best to get them. Yeah, I mean, we have someone lined up, and uh, I just need to confirm things with them uh, probably next week. And, you know, I'm really excited for that. I wanted someone very special for episode 50, uh, someone special to both of us as podcasters. And uh, I think we're going to have a very good episode. And and like I said, I I don't want to say anything right now because I haven't... talk to and confirm things completely yet uh but it's looking like it will be a very fun and very special episode and it might actually be two guests and not just one so mm-hmm. there's your hint everybody heather thank you as always for doing this with me i i cannot thank you enough it is it is a true pleasure thank you all for listening Everybody, follow Heather on Twitter at NerdyGal33. Follow this here podcast on Twitter at PromTrekPod. If you like, talk to us. Uh, Y'all know how much I tweet. I I like talking with everybody. I really do. Uh, I already said I'm pretty extroverted when it comes to all of this stuff. I will absolutely talk with all of you at PromTrekPod. And Heather will too. We're both around. And if you want to send us something in long form, send us an email, promenadetrekpod at gmail.com. If you do, we'll read it here on the podcast, and, and we'll talk about it, and, and we'll reply back, and we'll talk to you. This, this is, we're all about the engagement here. You know, we're, we're, we're all about, you know, Trekkies convening and, and sharing in, in the love of Star Trek. Uh, and until next time... Live long and sense oars. Thanks for listening.